Okay, if you've got your Bible today, let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, thank you once again today for this time we have together. We believe that you're at work in our lives, that you're speaking to our hearts. And so we ask you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts open and receptive. Lord, have your way in us now. We look to you for wisdom, for answers, and for direction in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, actually, before we read that and, and say some things, let me tell you about there was a husband and wife who came uh, in for counseling after 15 years of marriage. And when asked what the problem was, the wife went into a passionate, painful tirade listing every problem that they had had in the 15 years that they had been married. She went on and on, neglect, lack of intimacy, emptiness, loneliness, feeling unloved and unlovable, an entire laundry list of unmet needs she had endured over the course of their marriage. Finally, after allowing this to go on for a sufficient length of time, the counselor got up, walked around the desk after asking the wife to stand, embraced and kissed her passionately. The woman shut up, quietly sat down as though in a daze. The counselor turned to the husband and said, this is what your wife needs at least three times a week. Can you do this? The husband thought for a moment and replied, Well, I can drop her off here on Mondays and Wednesdays, but on Fridays I fish. (laughs) Well, today, I want to begin a new message called The Making of a Marriage. All right? And... uh, we want to look to the Word of God. Uh, I'm not necessarily looking just to the latest research and latest statistics on marriage. I'm, I'm kind of going and focusing more on the oldest stuff that I could find. <laughs> and that comes from the Word of God. How many understand that marriage is ordained and planned by God? And uh, it's something that He has in mind, something that He uh, originated. Therefore, uh, for a person to be successful in marriage they ought to look to the one who invented it, one who came up with it, because in his mind are all the answers, all the solutions. And uh, we know there are many, uh, many, I mean, there are a gazillion books and, and courses and all kinds of things out there today. And some of it is actually, you know, absolutely great. And some of it's not, all right? One thing I can be certain of is... Uh, when things are based on the Word of God, they're safe, all right, and they're going to work. And uh, no matter what the latest study group came up with, God's Word is still true, and it still works in all relationships of all time. And, you know, we can wait another few years or how, when the ne- whenever the next research comes out, and we can find out that God was right <laughs> if they did an honest study, Right? Or we can just take him at his word, because I tell you what, he knows what he's talking about. And there are answers to every difficult situation, every troublesome circumstance, and the Lord has all of this. Now, how many know this, though, that even if a person, if two people marry, 
And that marriage was in God's plan. In other words, they got the right one. You know what I'm talking about? Two people came and it was, things were the right, it was right for them to be married. How many know they could still end up with marriage on the rocks? Do you know that's, do you know that's possible for two people led of the Spirit of God to be together? That that is no guarantee of heaven on earth. That is no guarantee of a blissful relationship. There must be principles put into practice. When they are, things will flourish. When they're violated, there'll be trouble. There'll be hardships. And that's true for any person. No one is excluded. I mean, I know some of the... Uh, there are some people who are outstanding in teaching ministries and prophetic ministries and all kinds of things that a lot of Christians really look up to and think, man, that person, they are anointed. They are have the gifts of God. They know the Word of God from front to back, just have a depth of understanding and knowledge, yet you go home with them, and it's hell. That's absolutely the truth. And many, of course, don't make it, but... Many do, and again, not just speaking of them now, but in general, how many understand that most people in the world today that are married don't have a great marriage? Most people do not. Of course, many of those marriages don't even make it, but the ones that do, there's a whole bunch of them that just survive, that just make it through. I mean, there have been numerous times where people have... um, made statements, believers now, Christians, have made statements, some directly to me, that where they say, if it wasn't for our faith in the Lord, wasn't for our Christianity, we would divorce. That was the only thing holding them together, is their belief that God wanted them to be together, and that if they separated, it would be wrong. Well, thank God for that glue. <laughs> when it's necess- when it needs to, when you need to fall back on that. How many know a relationship with the Lord and the foundation of Jesus in, in two people's lives? And that's huge. That's huge for a relationship. That's huge for these things. Uh, but it's not the will of God. It's not His desire, really, for two people just to survive together and just because they have a relationship with Him, for them just to kind of coexist live together but not really flourish and have a wonderful home life like he intended. It is God's plan. It is God's desire. And so we should look to the Lord. I find it very interesting that when I look at the subject of marriage, that much of the information I get comes from two single guys. Did you ever notice that? Uh, Of course, we're looking to Jesus and his time on the earth. Of course, he he didn't marry. Uh, uh, His mother was a Mary, but he, 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 he... didn't actually marry himself and then of course paul the apostle paul was not married at least you know there's some speculation that he was married at one point uh like when he was a pharisee because they were typically married but again i can't say for certain there that you know some think that maybe when he got saved uh his wife didn't get saved too and wouldn't go along with that radical life he was about to live uh but again i don't know that for certain but we know when he was writing first corinthians for example he was single And he's talking to them, answering their questions about marriage. Well, it's interesting to me to hear that because typically you want to go to people who have experience, don't you, Uh, in an area. But it seems that the principles of marriage are universal and they, they they really relate to all people whether single or married. And a person who, and, and if you're listening to me day, today and you're married, great, you, it applies directly. If you're not and want to be, 
it applies directly. If you're not and don't want to be, I believe the same principles because they came from single guys, uh, you know, just right where you're at. And if you're single and don't want to be married, these principles can influence you and impact all of your relationships in a very healthy manner. And so I want to look over here at Genesis chapter 2, like I I said already, and uh, and let's get the foundation because we want to go back to the Lord and how He created things to be. Let's begin in verse 18. It says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Now, how many know if you read Genesis up until this point, you hear, And it was good. And it was good. And it was good. And it was good. He created all these things. Good, 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 good. And then man was alone. He said, Not good. Didn't he? He saw Adam all by himself and thought, he needs help. So I am going to make someone for him. I'm going to make a helper for him. It's not good that man should be alone. All right. He, and then it goes on to say in verse 19, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. In other words, none of the animals, none of the animal kingdom were on the same level or the same plane as him. No one could help him. All right? And, uh, you know, there's some speculation about what happened next. Some people, there are different stories uh, about how these things transpire. Just to let you know about one of them, because this is really not the way it happened. But some will recount this, and they'll say, well, Adam uh, was, of course, looking at all the animals, and, and he didn't find anyone, uh, of course, comparable to him. And, and so he went to the Lord, and the Lord started talking to him about this woman he was going to make. And this woman... Uh, God described her how she would be amazing. She would look so good. And he said, that he said, listen, and she's going to do everything for you. All right. She's going to cook for you and clean for you. She's going to rub your back every day. And she's going to fulfill your every whim. And he thought, wow, this is amazing. This is just almost too good to be true. Adam said, well, what is that going to cost me? And God said, an arm and a leg. Oh, he thought, that's a pretty steep price. He said, what can I get for a rib? <laughs> I just wanted to let you know, that's not the correct biblical account. <laughs> Ladies, I don't believe that's true. All right? You staying with me today? Let's get, God, let's get what actually happened. Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took, uh, he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. He built her out of this and he brought her to the man and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. All right. Today, there are many different definitions of family. People will call all kinds of assemblings of human beings in various fashions and they'll label it, this is a family. Well, 
I don't agree. I'm going to stay with the Lord's definition, what he brought together. This was the first family. And how many know just uh, a husband and wife constitute a family? One husband, one wife. Sometimes people will, I know when we were first married, they would come up to us and say, so when are you going to start a family? Well, what they meant is when are you going to have kids, right? Uh, but really, a husband and wife is a family with even without children, all right? And the children, of course, make the family larger and, uh, and, and so forth. But uh, many groups today are referred to as a family. You might have a, you know, just a man and woman that have been living together for a while, and they'll call them a family. Well, that's not a family, all right? Many say, well, you know, if, uh, what if they have children? Two unmarried people have children. That's a family. That's not a family. No, that's recipe for disaster, by the way. Uh, what about, you know, they'll call two women who make a domestic partnership of some kind. That, they call that a family. Or two men who do the same thing. That's a family. No, that's not a family. Okay. Let's keep clear in our minds biblical definition. And let's stay with God's standard no matter what the world around us is doing because our culture is in severe decay. The morality in our nation is really on a decline. And there's, there's got to be some people like you and I who will stand up and say, I'm going to stay and remain clear thinking on this subject and not let my definition of family and marriage and all this stuff be polluted with the modern society. Amen. Societies don't last who go down the path that ours is on right now, by the way. You know, who start embracing homosexuality and all this kind of stuff. Look at ancient cultures. They all die when they start doing that. And uh, so we're, we are our nation's help if we'll stand up and say, this is the way it's going to be. This is the truth. And we keep our thinking clear regarding this subject. But when Christians ignore this legal relationship that God sets up, uh, they are outside of the blessing of God. Okay, things will not work. Their prayer lives, their faith will be hindered because they're outside of that legal relationship. And the actual relationship of a man and woman will be hindered if they don't go according to God's design and his plan. Again, he knows how things work. And with some today, they might think, well, what's the need for a, with a, for a piece of paper? What's the need just for a, a government acknowledgement? Listen. It's not just man's recognition. This is God getting involved with something. If a man and a woman want the blessing of God in their life, they must go about it his prescribed way. If they do and they move forward in faith that way, his blessing will be on that relationship. But if they skirt it and say, ah, it doesn't matter, that's just old old thinking that's just old time tradition we're we're more progressive today we have a new way of doing things and yeah we have a failed way of doing things look around come on now people are, are failing all day long i didn't intend on on going into some of this but uh, you, you know th- those who even practice being married before they get married which is very common today do you know the the the, the results uh the success rate of those relationships is just horrible the divorce rate goes way up when people practice being married before they get married by living together. It's amazing, but people are still thinking that makes sense. You don't only have to look at the Word of God. You can look at studies that have been done now and see the exact same thing. It just doesn't work. God is right, has always been right, will always be right. If we'll do things His way, we have the potential to flourish and be happy and satisfied and fulfilled in life. But if we go contrary to His ways, yikes, look out, trouble is coming. It's coming your way. And so let's look over at Proverbs chapter 18. 
Again, we want the biblical foundation of a marriage. I do want to get into a number of different issues over the weeks. But today, let's understand that this is the way God set things up. In Proverbs 18, notice with me uh, in verse 22, it says, He who finds a wife, what does he do? He finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Look at that. When a person gets married, what do they get? When a man gets married to a woman, he gets favor. He gets the blessing of God. How many know if you get married, you need favor? Don't you? I mean, it's something that came from God. It's ordained by God, and He promises us His favor, but there's a reason for that. Anyone who's ever been married said, I need help. (laughs) Amen. Now, some some might think, if I say amen too loud, I'm kind of admitting I need help in my marriage. You do need help in your marriage. (laughs) There's not a single person who is married who doesn't need help. And if you ever think you will be married... Get some help now. Save yourself some trouble. But I tell you what, the favor of God is not only desirable by us, it's necessary for us. But the Lord again puts his stamp on this relationship. When a man finds a wife, he says it's good. He said this is a good thing. This is something that I'm interested in. I've created and I've ordained and I want you to be fulfilled and satisfied. I'm going to slap you upside the head with some blessing when you do it. Amen. With some favor that'll be there. Now notice the language here used though. He who finds a wife. Do you know it's different to find a wife than it is to find a woman? The Bible doesn't say he who finds a woman finds a good thing. No offense to the ladies. But because uh, that's not what my, my meaning is at all. He who finds a woman doesn't necessarily find a good thing. But he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Not all women, guys are good for you and vice versa it's just coming at it from that gender standpoint but not all women well i'm a man she's a woman let's get together no not so quick there's a little more involved in this than that we need to be a little bit deeper than just that shallow surface level you know she walks and she you know (laughs) has a mind and has good looks, and, and uh, so let's marry. You need counsel. Amen. <laughs> because we're supposed to look a little bit deeper than that, and, and God really has a plan. Amen. He really, he really does lead people in this area and directs them to where they're supposed to be. But here's the other thought here. Uh, those who act like a woman is their wife. If she's not their wife, they're, they're asking for trouble too. All right. Not all women men are your wife don't act like they are don't treat them like they are and if someone is single you know dating in a relationship guys don't treat that woman like she's your wife she's not it's a different kind of relationship if that's in the future then that's coming but don't ruin it by pretending that that's the case today don't look and don't look for the perks without the commitment There's a reason that God designed a marriage to come first before some other activities in a relationship. And he's right. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. 
And let's notice over here in verse 4. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage is honorable among all. Here we go again. Inspired word of God saying marriage is a good thing. Marriage is honorable among all. And the bed undefiled. Now, the bed doesn't mean the bed. Do you know that? That word translated bed really means the sex act. He said that's undefiled. It's not the actual bed. Your bed gets dirty. Wash the sheets and stuff. And just because you're married doesn't mean it stays clean. (laughs) A pastor told me one time that there were some people that had been coming to his church. And they had a pot addiction. Smoking weed. And they were feeling bad about it. And they were trying to knock off their habit of doing drugs until they called one day and were just overjoyed because they discovered this verse. And they said, good news, Pastor. We found out we don't have to quit because the marriage bed is undefiled. Now we smoke pot on the bed. (laughs) And so they realized that what they did was uh, no longer sin. That's not what that means. <laughs> How many know that? <laughs> he goes on to say here, but, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. So there's a thing that God says is honorable, and there's, a, and there's activity that God says is bad. It's going to be judged. This is a problem. But let's stay with the word. Look, look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. Again, laying the foundation here of marriage what God has to say about it. And when I say that, talking about the institution in and of itself, is it a godly thing? Well, in their day, in these Bible days, there were some issues that we don't have to deal with. Here was one of them. In First in Timothy chapter 3, the word is giving uh, qualifications for overseers, qualifications for deacons, those who would work in a church. Okay? And it said, he said one of those qualifications here in verse 12 says, Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Notice the language. Let, the husband, let them be the husbands of one wife. All right. Now, some, t- some immediately think that means you can't be a minister if you've ever, or you can't serve in the church if you've ever been divorced. That's actually not what that's talking about. All right, and we'll deal with that subject a little bit later on, but I can just tell you right now, if you feel like you're a second-rate Christian because you've been divorced, knock it off, because no one around here is going to make you feel that way, all right, and the Lord's not going to make you feel that way. He does, the, the blood of Jesus actually works, amen, and divorce actually isn't worse than murder, as some would imply, <laughs> but we'll, we'll, come, we'll come to those, uh, those things later, and uh, but, but again, the word here, what it's talking about, in their culture, there was a lot of polygamy. Now, we don't have to deal with that so much unless you live in Utah. But, uh, 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 you know, where there are groups that do that still. Um, uh, but they had polygamous societies and, and relationships there. And then these people are getting saved. Now, think about it. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to figure some of these things out. At least don't have to, at least haven't had to yet. Uh, but think about it. You've got the pastor, and they're winning people to the Lord. People are getting saved and coming into the church. But when the society has polygamy going on, you've got 
John gets saved, and his four wives are right there with him. And they get saved. And so any given church meeting, see, we got the Jones family over here. Mr. Jones and Mrs. Jones and Mrs. Jones and Mrs. Jones and Mrs. Jones. And uh, what are you going to do with them? I, I mean, because you want to declare the ways of God, which goes back to the beginning, that God created a man and a woman, and that exclusive union, they would be one flesh. That's God's plan for marriage. One man, one woman always has been. All right? But now, these people did this in the world, and they're married. And they kind of, you know, they like it. They're okay with it. What are you going to tell John? Which one are you going to tell him to divorce? John, you might want to pick one of those three. Well, again, we don't have to figure that out. All right? We don't necessarily have to deal with that now. But what he was telling him here, he said, for those whom you're going to put in any kind of position in your church and give them any authority in any way to, to minister, he said, make sure they only have one wife. All right? One translation actually took the Greek words and translated it that way, said, let the deacons be appointed from those who have not been polygamous. So it's interesting that what he was doing, they were going back to God's standard, but yet they had a culture that was a reality in their society. But he's saying this is the way it's supposed to be. Back the way it was in Genesis, Jesus quoted the same thing about that. Say, how do we know that Genesis was literal and all that? Go to Jesus. He thought it was. That's a separate subject. Someone needed to hear that, though. Uh, But again, he wanted to set up God's standard as the basis for the church. And so how do you do that? You can't kick everyone out that's polygamous. But you take the leadership. And you put in place in leadership those who are doing it God's way. All right. Now think about that. Here's just another side thought. I gotta, I'm going to have to pick up the speed here. But uh, that was in the early church. They were getting back to God's original design. Someone said, what about Old Testament polygamy? What about David and Solomon and, and all these people? What is described was never prescribed. The Lord never said that was okay. He never directed him to do it. Just because the Lord never, apparently never made a big deal about it and made, the, made it the main focus, we can still see that people got in trouble and had hardships in their lives because of their polygamy. And it was never God's plan. And Jesus came, back, came on the scene and started snapping things right back to the beginning. He said, in the beginning it wasn't so. But God made them male and female. Amen. This is the way that God originally designed things. Here's another side note. If you were involved in a religious group that their foundations began with all their leaders were polygamous and preached it and practiced it, would you question that? You know what I'm talking about. How could that be right if if they would have gone back a few years, in one of Paul's churches, they wouldn't have even qualified to handle any kind of leadership position. Yet, supposedly, God was behind this, and now the leaders of a whole religion are doing that, even though they don't practice it publicly, you know, and so forth. They don't support that anymore today. But it started from that. How can you say that's of God when they didn't even qualify to be in leadership just a few years before? I don't know if you're seeing my point there, but 
just shows you more questions. There's all kinds of chaos in, in when people depart from the Word of God. Okay. And so, and so again, marriage is His plan. I want to answer this question, why should people marry? And again, are there people that don't marry and they don't need to marry? Yes. Paul even spoke of those in 1 Corinthians 7 who have a, have a gift, where they just don't have any strong desire to be married. They feel like, I can be happy single all my life. That's fine. If you feel that way, don't feel any pressure to, uh, to get a wife, get a husband. Uh, be happy. However, most people are going to marry, and most people should. It's God's, re- it's God's plan. It's his, uh, it's his idea. And why? Four things. Here we go. Number one, people should marry because it is God's design. It is God's plan for the human race. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus said, Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. In other words, the marriage relationship is supernatural. It didn't say what the preacher joined together, what the state, what the piece of paper joined together. The scripture says, that Jesus himself said, what, whom God has joined together. In other words, when man and woman marry, God gets involved. It's the three-stranded cord that cannot be broken. It's the husband and it's the, it's the wife and it's God in the middle of that. This is God's plan. He brings people together. And so we not, ought not ever think of it just as natural. Marriage is not just a natural relationship. It's a supernatural relationship. I want you to know that's good news, especially if things aren't going so well. You've got supernatural favor. You've got God saying this is good. You've got Him saying this is honorable. You've got, you've got Him saying this is a supernatural event that I'm involved with. Thank God anything can happen now. Come on now. Don't be nervous. <laughs> I know I've heard stories that would make your hair curl. And things that have happened, I thought, oh my that's amazing. And uh, listen, your situation, if it's bad, I tell you what, there's help. God is directly involved in this, in this uh, man-woman union. And he can turn things around for you, with you. How many know Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding? Supernatural miracle, supernatural event. Number two, why should most people marry, marry number two? Because of companionship. People should marry for companionship. Again, Genesis 2.18, the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. Not good. Not good to be alone. Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Find Psalms, Proverbs, and then stop right after that. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. There's something very valuable and important in companionship. Isolation is one of the things that gets people destroyed in life. The enemy wants to get you alone. Now, even if you're single, doesn't mean you, you have to be alone per se. It would be of great value to you to surround yourself with other believers in a local church, good friends, where you're not just isolated. When a group is isolated, again, they're vulnerable to attack. And the scripture says here in verse 9, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, two are better than one. Why should you get married? Because two is better. Right? He said, because they have good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again, two, if, they, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. 
Okay? And so the Lord shows us how two is better than one. And, you know, you're going to be cold and you're, you're not going to be able to get up by yourself. And, and just a lot of, lot, lot of downside to being isolated, to be alone, to just being all by yourself. But uh, we need to recognize the Lord created us for companionship and to be together. And the best way, the closest way that can happen is in the marriage union. All right, here we go. Number three. Why should people marry? Number three. Because of sex. Yes, I said that right. <laughs> S-E-X. The, the scripture tells us, again, we read in Genesis, that man should uh, leave his father and mother and be, what? Joined unto his wife. Some translations will say he should cleave unto his wife. And it doesn't say he should cleave or be joined unto a girlfriend doesn't say he should cleave or be joined into a prostitute. But he said he should be joined together with his wife. You can see, without knowing any kind of Hebrew or Greek, that the cleaving he's talking about, the joining that he's referring to, is not just like a friendship is not just being close to someone in physical proximity. It's not just referring to embracing in a hug or something. Can we see that? He is to be joined unto his wife. Do you know what that word means? You know what that word means. (laughs) It is the Hebrew word debak, and it means to be joined to, all right? It's referring to sexual intercourse. In Ephesians chapter 5, And verse 31, the Apostle Paul is quoting the same verse from Genesis. He says, again, a man should leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife. Of course, our New Testament comes from the Greek, translated from the Greek language. And this word over here, that's translated, you know, joined or uh, he should cleave, depending on your translation, is the word proskalo, all right? That's two words. The word or kaleo, the word kaleo means to be adhered to. It's similar to the Hebrew word, and it means um, it's referring, again, to the physical sex act, but the word pros, that's put in front of it, it means uh, deep intimacy. It means a face-to-face encounter. And so what he's saying, when a man and woman, man leaves father and mother in his Proscalo with his wife, this is a special description that is only to take place between a husband and wife. Okay, that word, kaleo, is also used uh, and can be, can be used to describe, again, I say also, not proscaleo, but kaleo, is used to describe the relationship that animals have with each other. How many know your cat has no morals? <laughs> and your cat has no personal relationship with the other cats in the neighborhood. Right? When they start making their sounds and uh, all, all kinds of... How many know they're not getting to know each other in, you know, so how's your day going? And uh, All it is in the animal world, it is a... 
It's just physical. <laughs> it's just biological. It's just a response that they have to the hormones going on on the inside, and they make tons of cats and, and make more dogs and all this. But that is not the way that human beings are supposed to relate to each other. Do we, do we, do we recognize that? In fact, the Scripture tells us um, in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 16 says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? That word joined, you know what? It's not the same as the word joined between a husband and a wife. Husband and wife are supposed to have an intimate, close, face-to-face connection. And then it involves the sexual relationship. When it's talked about a man joining himself to a harlot, it's the same word that's used that would describe animal relations. Kaleo. In other words, when that type of situation happens, when men get involved, or women, whatever, get involved in a relationship with a prostitute, or basically with anyone that they're not married to, they are lowering themselves to the level of an animal. I don't know about you, I've known some people who act like the neighborhood cat, who act like the dog. Man, you're just a dog. Not his looks, not her looks. It's the way they act. No morals. They just follow every instinct they have, and they're just doing, doing their business with as many cats as they can find. You know what I'm talking about? All right. That is not what the Lord has planned for us. He says, if you want sexual relationship get married that's my plan for you that's when it's safe that's when it's healthy that's when it works there's so many things we could talk about there i just really don't have time you could talk about all the problems with disease and all that how many know that you shut that off if people follow god's plan you absolutely do but i don't want to go deep into that but note this as well first corinthians 7 and verse 9 paul said for it is better to marry than to burn with passion it's better to marry than it is to burn with passion. Say, so I really, I have an issue with this. I really, I mean, I have a burning with passion inside of me for, to be involved in a physical sexual relationship. What's the answer to that? Get married. Now, I don't mean just because of that alone. Don't that let be your only motivation and your only guide into finding someone. However, that's God's solution to that drive. He put that in you for a reason. But he says, use it within these boundaries, within these confines, and my blessing will be on it. My hand will be upon you. It'll be a supernatural event. It'll cause you and another person to become one flesh. And it's powerful. It's supernatural. It's God-ordained. Number four, why should people marry? Number four, because of children. Because of children. It is God's plan. His idea again. Back he told Adam and Eve, be fruitful multiply and replenish the earth god said i want a bunch of kids i'll make the first two you make the rest all right he wanted us to be involved in that very process of putting people all over the planet he says get together and make some more of you guys god's plan for children and there are a lot of people today who want children what should they do you should be married first that would be a very good idea why that's God's plan it is good for the children all right now we know this uh, that a husband and a wife in the home present is the best way for children to be raised 
Actually, I could go deeper. A husband and a wife who are in love with the Lord, committed to Him, and passionately in love with each other is the best way to raise children. Not just coexisting, kind of irked at each other. That's a bad way to, way to raise kids. Man, that's another subject too. I wish I had more time today. You ruin your kids by, by not having a good relationship with each other. I'll just let you think on that. I'll help you, I'll help you with that later. All right. That's why you need to make sure to not miss any of these messages. But it's the most ideal situation. That's why it doesn't make any sense. And I realize there are probably some here, single parent situations. Kids are growing up with one or the other. How many know that's not ideal? I mean, we'll pray God help you and we'll be there to support you and everything. But that's not the best situation. God didn't really design it that way. Why are people in that situation? Sometimes because of divorce. Sometimes because of death of one or the other spouse. Sometimes because you know, fornication to begin with, and never were married, and had children. How many of all of those are negative? What, what I get irked at is our society today where people intentionally do this to kids. I have compassion on any of those three. I know, I know stuff happens. I want to help you out. But when people today are intentionally bringing kids into a one-parent situation, that's wrong. Octomom is wrong. Are you listening? It doesn't make, it's, it's not right for a woman because now we have science and stuff that can do that. Women can get impregnated without a, without a man, uh, you know, by taking something from a man. Uh, but for a woman to do, a single person to purposely bring children, you're intentionally depriving that person of a father or a mother. And, uh, and that's, not the, that's not the way God designed things to be. And it's not good for the kids. So, amen. Say, what about uh, like homosexual adoption? It's wrong. Why would you intentionally deprive a child of either a father or a mother? When God's design is they need both. Again, if you're in a single situation... Don't be condemned by this. Look for help. Look for God's help to, to remedy and, to, and to, to do the best with what you have and, and so forth. All right? Don't be condemned. But we shouldn't ever intentionally make this kind of stuff happen. Amen. Let's go with God's plan, which was from the beginning. A man and a woman coming together with his blessing and his hand upon them. That's the way that things work. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Listen, let me say this before we pray here today. Uh, If you've got questions, the Word of God has answers. And if you've got some things, some specific situations that you'd like to bring up, we're not doing live Q&A, but we will do potentially uh, answer some questions that are sent to us. You can email them. If you want to remain anonymous, you can write them down on a note. Put it, leave it here somewhere, send it without a return address in the mail, however you want to do it. If it's, if it's a real, of a real confidential nature and you want, the, you want some information on a particular situation uh, pertaining to this, this, this subject um, uh, and you want it answered without it being known that it's coming from you, if it's real, you know, 
sensitive, if it's, if it's real, I'm not going to get super graphic. Even though we don't have kids in, sometimes they sneak in. All right. But to a degree, we'll deal with most things that relate to the subject. So do feel free if you've got certain issues you want to send in to do that. And Father, we thank you today for this opportunity that we have to be together, to hear from heaven. Lord, thank you for speaking to our hearts, for giving us your mind concerning relationships, marriage, and all these things. Lord, I believe that you're at work. I believe that you're working in all of our hearts to lead us and guide us in the way we should go. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your safety net that keeps us from harm. We believe that you're at work in our lives now. Father, I do pray for those today who've come that have never been saved, not on their way to heaven.